McDeal, tea, a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a happy meal, McNuggets, tasty golden, fresh rose, regular, or larger size of salad, chef or garden, or a chicken salad, oriental, big big breakfast, egg muffin, hot hot cakes and sausage, maybe biscuits, bacon, egg and Hello, and welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are booksmen, and burgersmen, and beefsmen, and friesmen. And Shakesman mm. and Coca-Cola's I don't think they didn't have hash browns, I think, yet in uh Ray Crocs Day. Yeah, that's true. Um, they didn't even have the dang Big Mac. Well, yeah, Big Mac came much later, I think. They didn't need to do that kind of thing early on. People were just happy to get a hamburger. Yeah. I mean they were they were happy that they didn't have to wait for a car hop to come to their car. Yeah. Well, and they were happy if a car hop came to their car. Yeah, I mean, they were happy anyway. It was, it was, it was, life, life was good. Was good. <laughs> um, man, I could go for just like a big old sack of cheeseburgers. Tom, I was going to say, I, 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 I wish there were vegetarian options at McDonald's these days beyond just like, hey, you could have french fries. Right. Because um, I would love... It's been so long, and it's been long for you as well. When's the last time you ate McDonald's? <sighs> yeah, probably before the pandemic. Yeah, I've wouldn't had, it be nice? I've had Burger King uh, a few times during the pandemic because they have uh, vegetarian options, and I've like taken you know longer road trips, and it's like a nothing's nothing's a better excuse to eat fast food than a road trip. Oh my god! Yeah, I've been trying to figure out a way to. I get my wife in a car so we can go to freaking <laughs> Burger King getting an impossible whopper. Yeah. Uh yeah, because that, for you know, when you're on the road, like calories don't count. And it's just like, no, I'm gonna order the most disgusting thing. Uh and because you're on the road, it's gonna be you're you're bored usually. Or I'm not usually like bored when I'm driving, but you get in you're just kind of like in a driving state, you know? Right. You're not bored or entertained. But if you have, like, something delicious to eat, then it's, like, ten times the treat it normally would be. Yeah, exactly. So I thought it would be nice if, uh, if in, in, in celebration of these McDonald's episodes, we, mm-hmm. we ate McDonald's. Okay. And I don't know how you get it, you know, Uber Eats or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you can probably order it from one of those things. I was going to send uh, an Uber Eats order to you from McDonald's without telling you, uh-huh. but I thought you would be angry. I Why thought would like I be you would like angry if somebody sent me McDonald's because I, I I'd be I feel sure like I'd be angry would, like, that you figured out where I lived. I, I feel like you your buzzer would buzz and like you wouldn't believe the person <laughs> and you'd like get into an altercation. What, Tim? You have just an exaggerated idea of me how would i I get into an altercation if i sent you mcdonald's yeah without telling you right and so like earlier tonight at 6 p.m your buzzer buzzed mm -hmm. and it's like oh yeah i mean i guess i would probably be like yeah i didn't order mcdonald's you probably wouldn't even say that. You would probably buzz and they go Uber Eats and you would be like, that's not for me. I'm not even going to respond. Now, I don't listen. to. If somebody buzzes, I just let them in. I don't care. I lock my door. <laughs> well, what if they came up and knocked on your door and went Uber uh, Eats? You'd probably go like, eh, you know what? this isn't my... Actually, in it, depending on how hungry I was, I might just be like, cool, thanks. <laughs> No, yeah. I wouldn't. I'd be like, that's nah, on. You would have to order it, I think, and then like shoot me a text. And you wouldn't have to be specific. You'd just have to say, like, hey, something's on its way to you. Yeah. That's and true. then I would know. Well, well now you're not going to do gonna, it. I, well, I, I, what stopped me from doing it was like, well, I want a Big Mac, and <laughs> I don't eat Big Macs. Uh, so, like,. I would just be jealous of you. And why yeah. would I buy you something that I'd be jealous of you having? <laughs> yeah, man, the, I would never do that for you. I'd never buy yeah. you something that I want but can't have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fine. I feel like a Big Mac, you could We're have. We're still with, friends. You could have a Big Mac without the meat and not lose that much to it. Mm, 
Be like, hey, can but, you I mean, put instead of the two patties of meat, can you put two more middle bread pieces? <laughs> and I'll just <laughs> eat five pieces of bread. You just need something hot in there, and it, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta figure it out. Maybe I'll make homemade. Uh, yeah, I've made some impossible Big Macs in my day, Tom. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, I'm partial Tim to Boca Burgers. I think they're uh, underrated because they've been around for so long. But they are. Uh, you get the All American Boca Burgers. A very oh good yeah, burger. I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't like you can't do. You know what I like about the Impossible, and to a lesser extent, the Beyond. You, mm. It's like ground beef, so you can like really like smash it and make yeah. like a real diner burger. Like make right. two small patties, smash them with the big uh, big spatula, mm. put cheese in between them, and then put that in a bun. Yeah, that's you can't do that with a with an all American Boca burger. But the all American Boca burger is delicious. Yeah, and I feel like the all American Boca burger is actually pretty close to like a fast food burger. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's frozen, it's a hockey puck, you just kind of warm it up. I mean, I've the only had is- them on the, uh, on like a pan or, or like a barbecue. Uh, you know, uh, you can put them in the microwave, but like, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, no. Um, the, the problem with them, if you're making a homemade Big Mac, is that like, they're too big. If you had two of those patties, slice it's, them it's in ridiculous. half, slice them right down the middle. Mm, doesn't work that way. Then they're too thin. Like what you want to do is like break it apart and make two different patties out of them. Do that. You can't because it's frozen. Unfreeze it, defrost it. Tom, I have a question that I'd like you to answer very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, how excited, scale of one to ten, are you about Wandavision? Oh, I'm very excited, Tim. Uh, as we record, it comes out uh, tomorrow uh, yeah. on Disney Plus. Um, it's it, it it's been a year without Marvel, uh, and uh, boy, what a year we could have really used some fine entertainment. As a fan of the genre of just sitcoms, I mm-hmm. am excited for this. I'm probably going to watch. Uh, whatever episodes are available tomorrow. Yeah, I think they're putting two up. Uh, yeah. And they're around a half hour each. And Tom, you did a nice thing for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe a year, two years ago? Yes. You sent me uh, Wanda, what is it? Uh, Heat Vision and Wanda or something? No, it's just Vision. Well, Vision... I, I, yeah, one, uh, Scarlet Witch is in a, uh, or at least mentioned in it, I think. But it's it's a vision. It see, I read I read the first story in that book. Um, <laughs> I know mm. you sent it to me as a nice thing. I didn't read the whole thing, but it seems to be like that's what Tim, this is you, based if on. If you sent me McDonald's, I would eat the whole thing. Yeah, after accosting the Uber Eats delivery <laughs> man. Uh, it's not necessarily based on it, but like a lot of uh, MCU stuff, it is influenced by it. It seems like they've right. taken some ideas from it, uh, which is what they've done with a lot of things uh, to like pretty good effects because then they're able to like kind of take the best ideas. But then if you've read those comics, things aren't necessarily going to play out the way that you thought. You know, they're not direct adaptations. Right. Um, and also, I think uh, Elizabeth Olsen is a good actress. I've only ever seen her in one thing, but uh, what she thing seems was pretty that? good. Uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Well, which one was it? It was all four in one movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and what about Paul Bettany? Bethany. Bethany? Bettany? Paul Bettany. Um, I don't know anything about him. You've seen him in things. He's a. You know, you'd be surprised. I, <laughs> I probably haven't. I haven't seen a lot of people who are in a lot of things. He's just like a, a handsome British man. He's, oh, was he's he been in, in a lot of Master the Marvel and Commander, movies. the Far Side of the World. Yeah, he was in the Tourist. He's in a the Night's Da Vinci Tale. Code, Firewall. He played Jeffrey Chaucer in a Night's Tale. He's in a movie called Dead Babies. 
That must have been pretty edgy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's good. He's a very good vision. Yeah. He was in the Da Vinci Code? Yeah, apparently. This is weird. He was the voice of Jarvis in Iron Man. That's weird, right, Tom? Yes. Because that's not the, the, the character that he played later in... No, or it's... Or is it? Oh, in the early Marvel movies? Yeah. Oh, Jarvis? Well, Jarvis kind of becomes Vision. Yeah, I see that in Avengers Age of Ultron, he plays Jarvis slash Vision. Yes. Okay. So he was always Jarvis, which is like the voice in Tony's helmet. Mm-hmm. And then that AI construct was uh, part of what was made into Vision, which was not not the case in the comics, but like a again like a pretty clever like uh, like oh yeah do that that's a good idea like the guy who does this voice Paul Bettany he'd be a good Vision yeah do that interesting. Also, Vision is a very good character, and has kind of gotten glossed over. Not glossed over, but like, you know, as these movies got bigger and bigger and there was never a Vision movie, um, there just hasn't been enough time to kind of delve into his character. Because, you know, it's it's basically, it's an android, it's a robot, but not. Right. But, but also he has superpowers. And real, and real feelings, like a man. Tom, you and I... Uh, Iron Man one together. We saw opening weekend. Mm hmm. Uh, you went on and watched every single one of the rest of the Marvel movies, and I did not. Yes, two men, two different perspectives. It's beautiful, isn't it? I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> Sorry, your your connection uh, stalled. I didn't hear anything you just yeah, said. Yeah, no, I figured. I, I, I think we should use this as uh, an opportunity to segue into the book that I'm reading, Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc. Okay, it's about grinding hamburger meat. Guess what? I think, speaking of vision, mm-hmm. I think you could say Ray Kroc was a man with vision. Yeah. If you ever write an autobiography, is it going to be called Rubbing It Out? Why is that? Rubbing One Out. Why? Because you're a compulsive masturbator. I don't think that's true. I don't think uh, (laughs) that's not canon, Tom. Let's not not make that canon. uh, I've got news for you, Tim. Uh, This episode is not being recorded. This is actually an intervention. Uh, your friends and loved ones. We're, we're we're just worried about you, Tim. You're gonna hurt yourself. It's nice to it's nice to see all these these faces on a Zoom call uh, <laughs> during the pandemic. I mean, no matter what what the occasion, it's fine. Well, and you got to think, Tim. If this many people are that aware of it, then it's really a problem. <sighs> Jeffrey Tubin, man, I can't believe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Jeffrey Tubin? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was cranking it out during a meeting and he got It's just uh, funny. I've been on so many work calls where that has been referenced. <laughs> it's like Oh, I thought you were um, going to say I've been on so many work calls where that thought's crossed my mind. <laughs> nah, it's just, it's just crazy that like it's funny that like when somebody has notoriety in their field like Jeffrey Tubin, right? Like Yeah. He's a legal expert. He's an author. He's like a pundit. Right. And then, and like, you're pretty well known in society. Then you do something yeah, oh, like yeah. that. And then I, I would say he's, everybody he's close knows to a your household name. name. He, was, he was close to a household name, but now he is a household name <laughs> because he fucked up that one time. And that's what everybody knows him for. Yeah. It sucks. He worked so hard. He was working towards household name status, and all he had to do was uh, ruin himself, and he and he got it. Yeah, it's a Faustian bargain. A, if you a ask cautionary me. tale, if there ever was one. 
Tom, do you want to catch people up on where we left off with grinding it out last week? Uh, we were learning you, about... Uh, keep in mind, mm-hmm. you were pretty drunk. Yes. Um, uh, Ray Kroc, he was, uh, I don't know, he was selling uh, aluminum siding or something. Paper cups. Remember how paper into paper cups. cups he was? Yeah. Um, and through that, he learned about milkshakes and how good milkshakes uh, machines are. He already knew how good milkshakes are, but about these new fancy efficient milkshake machines, and then he became a milkshake machine salesman. And I think that's where we got up to. I don't think he had he had met the uh, McDonald brothers yet, had he? No, he had. He yeah. had, and he had sat outside watching how many hamburgers they were selling. You and he already... was like, he's like, I've got to get myself in on this hamburger business. Or my name isn't Ray Kroc. He he met the McDonald brothers, and he was uh, he was selling multi mixers. Tom, you're yeah. right. They were their milkshake. They could uh, make like five mixers. milkshakes at once. Yeah, five or six, depending on the model. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a good mind for milkshakes, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll go far in this business. Uh, and uh, he. Uh, he met those those boys. He was impressed by their um, their operation. Yeah, they were very efficient. They, yeah, and particularly that they did so much business that they needed five or six or maybe eight of those those uh, multi mixers. Right. Yeah, that that was what so kind of clued them in. And so his thing was like, you guys should make more of these places. Um, right. In in his head, he's thinking. That way I'll sell a whole bunch more of these multi-mixers. Yeah. Um, and they were like, we don't know how to do that. And then he was like, well, why don't I do it for you? Mm. And now here we are, Tom, chapter five. And now, like, the idea of franchising, that was that invented by Ray Kroc? No, it was, it was already... Um, a thing? Uh, a thing. He made some innovations to it. Yeah. Um, and we'll discuss those. Um, arguably made it worse or <laughs> more in the favor of, of the corporation. Like, less in the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Tom, chapter five starts with this word, these words of wisdom that you can only get from an accomplished multimillionaire. The, the insight that he has from, from being such a success, you cannot get this from anybody. Okay. <clears throat> There's almost nothing you can accomplish if you set your mind to it. Wow. He came up with that quote? Apparently, he told it to a, a group of graduate students at Dartmouth College in 1976. Huh. And that's what put that school on the map. Yeah. That that was, um, the, that was the first class to accomplish anything because of Ray Kroc's <laughs> wise words. Previous classes Ray- had not put their mind to shit. Now, keep in mind, Ray Kroc, you know, was... Proudly in the paper cup business mm-hmm. until he was fifty-two years old. Yeah, and now he's a late strutting around like, yeah, he's strutting around like cock of the walk, like he's the the most brilliant man in the world. And he's like, well, if you set your mind to it, it's like, well, then what were you doing for the first fifty-two goddamn years of your life? He was setting his mind to paper cups, Tim. But there's only so far that could take you. Yeah. So anyway, um, he was out there. He he made a deal with the McDonald's brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made and a deal like, with oh. the devil, unbeknownst to well, them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, well, his uh, basically, he was going to go out and uh, and and franchise it for them. Yeah. Like he was going to figure out how to how to expand. Um, and look, this is one of those things. I know how autobiographies or memoirs work, or like uh, business uh, biographies work, where it's like. They're self-aggrandizing. Right, and they're remembering things in a favorable light for themselves. Yeah. I don't think Ray Kroc, like, some of the things he writes in here and not realizing that he's the villain in the story (laughs) betrays a really significant lack of self-awareness. Um. Anyway, do you remember his... Well, uh, when was this book written also? The late 70s? 70s. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, McDonald's is on top of the world then, so I think, uh, you know, in his mind, he was like, hey, I created all this. I created all these jobs, all these happy meals. I'm the good guy. That's true. If anything, Ronald McDonald is the bad guy. Why is Ronald the bad guy? Shouldn't the Hamburglar be the bad guy? Because Ronald McDonald's out there pretending like it's his restaurant, and we don't even know what his relationship with the restaurant is. I think he's just a customer. He's the restaurant's clown. (laughs) (laughs) Every restaurant needs a clown. Thank God they don't. And he does a damn good job. Otherwise, I'd be eating all my meals at home. Um, so do you remember his wife, Ethel? Yes. He barely mentions her except to complain about her. Um, like she <laughs> well, never, that she always happens with wives named Ethel. <laughs> yeah. She, do you know, um, Vivian Vance, mm-hmm. who played Ethel on, uh, I Lu- Love Lucy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And who played, uh, Fred Mertz? Oh, I I don't know the actor's name. In real life, they hated each other with oh, a really? fierce passion. Like they couldn't be in the same room together. That they hated it from like the first day of rehearsal for the wow. show. Wow! And they had such good William chemistry. Uh, William Frawley. Oh, okay. And and is that why they had such good chemistry of a uh, couple that hated each other? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, Ethel was always, you know... Tim, that's back when people were professionals and they weren't just trying to get each other canceled. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's true. And uh, freaking William Frawley was, I think, 150 years old when that <laughs> show went on the air. Very interesting that uh, his career... Is he still with us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. He's still kicking. Is Ed Asner still with us? Uh, I think so. If not, he recently so. passed. Yeah, I think he still tweets like, uh, like he'll like quote tweet the president and be like, "This You're... jackass." <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking it up right now. Ed Asner is still alive. He is 91. Wow, good for I him. I love these old folks. Yeah. Uh, Betty White turned 99 yesterday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Betty White, an old lady. Uh, uh, Ed Asner was the 21st president of the Screen Actors Guild, and he was succeeded by Patty Duke. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a veritable Nick at Night bonanza uh, <laughs> over there. It really was, for a time at least. What's his name? Mr. Feeney was the president of SAG for a bit, I remember. Really? Kit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, and and Patty Duke was succeeded by Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy or Barry Gordy? Barry Gordy, <laughs> a, Barry Gordy. Uh, an American actor, singer, and political talk show host. <laughs> huh. I don't know him. Yeah, I had a crush on okay. Patty Duke. I think I still do. She was uh she had her own show, Tom. Yeah, pa- the Patty Duke show. Yeah. Her her and her cousin had that show together. Yeah, they were identical cousins. Yeah. Which, whatever happened to the cousin? Whatever happened to identical cousins? I remember as a kid anymore. having a lot of questions to my parents about that that they were just like, "Oh god, like how do we explain this to this kid? Like it's not a real thing." Where I was like, "How does that happen? Identical cousins?" Happen again on Twin Peaks, Tom. Yeah. She, Patty Duke, mm-hmm. Tom, for 13 years. Sean Astin is her son? Yeah, she was married to John Astin. TV's that Gomez. blew my mind. Wait, Gomez? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Holy moly. This this is like the 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 end of Sean the usual Ashton suspects is for Gomez me. Adams' son with Patty Duke. Oh my God! 
All right, people are paying for this. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. He is not John Aston's biological son. He is Michael Tell's biological son and John Aston's adoptive father. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Patty that, Duke had her marriage un, with Michael Tell annulled yeah. in 1971. Only lasted 13 days and ended uh, before he was born. <laughs> Tom, nobody listening has any idea any of these people. <laughs> well, they should about. learn. They should educate themselves. Patty Duke died from a ruptured intestine. Uh, well, we don't. We don't need to get into all that, Tim. They don't need to be educated about that. She was only sixty-nine. Nice. She played Helen Keller in the Miracle Worker. Tom, uh, Ray Kroc had to take out a mortgage on his on his house, an increase in his mortgage, mm-hmm. much to Ethel's dismay. Yeah. Uh, in his Probably. words. In his uh, words, she bopped him on the head with a rolling pin. No, her apprehensions about my becoming Mr. Multimixer had been laid to rest at this point. I don't think she ever got over the shock of discovering that we were nearly $100,000 in debt. She couldn't seem to handle it. This was like the freaking <laughs> yeah. 40s. Yeah, that was like, like a, a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, I can't believe, I didn't know it was possible to get in that much debt back then. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, he's 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 like making all these. Uh, that was that was back in, when you would like have to talk to like somebody at the bank and convince them to give you money. Not now, <laughs> where it's just like, yeah, we'll just keep giving you money at higher interest rates. Yeah, you had to go in with like a plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Take your hat off. So Ethel, you know, this shrew, she was like all nervous, like, ah, you shouldn't put us in a million dollars worth of debt. And he was just like, uh, I would not let useless fretting about a problem, no matter how important, keep me from sleeping. Um, This is easier said than done. I did it through my own brand of (laughs) self-hypnosis. And now here's the thing. He... He claims that he, he he invented essentially meditation. I may have read a book on the subject. I don't remember. But in any case, I worked out a system that allowed me to turn off nervous tension and shut out nagging questions when I went to bed. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I would think of my mind as being a blackboard full of messages, most of them urgent. And I practiced imagining a hand with an eraser wiping that blackboard clean. I made my mind completely blank. If a thought began to appear, zap! I'd, wop, I'd, I'd wipe it out before it could form. Then I would relax my body, beginning at the back of my neck and continuing on down, shoulders, arms, t- torso, legs, the t- to the tips of my toes. By this time, I would be asleep. Who, who knew that this would be a sleeping manual, Tom? This book? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely read that in a book. <laughs> Like nobody, nobody thinks, well, I may have invented this or read it in a book. I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when it's, especially when it's something so similar to like tested relaxation techniques to like fall asleep easily. He hedges a lot like that where he'll be like, yeah, I don't know if I read it in a book or not, but if I did read it in a book, I improved on it. Yeah. On December 7th, 1941, we were thrown into war by the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, and I was thrown out of the multi-mixer business. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's keeping things uh, in perspective. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Basically, the the copper that they needed for the the multi-mixer. Went to the war effort. Yeah, it was restricted. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they didn't recruit him as, like, a 55-year-old soldier, did they? Yeah, no, uh, but he was a hero in another way. Um, I did the, uh, when World War II ended, I was able to get back to selling multi-mixers as my own. It was a glorious feeling. That's whatever, it was like, thank God World War II is over. Now Ray Kroc can back, go back to selling multi-mixers. What the hell were they doing using copper in those things? 
don't know. Wouldn't it be aluminum? Steel? Fucking no. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe maybe some of the parts were made out of copper. He was spending a lot of time in bars in those days, not as a customer, but as a critic. Mm. The whole mixed in, in his words, the whole mixed drink industry seemed entirely too bland to me. And he'd livening up with new drinks that used ice cream. And then he goes into this whole thing about how he invented new mixed drinks that never caught huh. on. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just like, they never caught on, but it was definitely an interesting notion. It's <laughs> like, no, you, you, you made mixed drinks that nobody liked. Yeah, he was just trying to come up with new ways to sell more mixers. Um, he needed help uh, selling these mixers. Um, he was selling like eight thousand a year in some cases, which is mm-hmm. a lot, I guess. I yeah, know. that seems like a lot. He asked Ethel to come in and work for him, and she was like, "Hell no!" And he was just right. like, "You don't support me." Um, and then uh, he he. Uh, he finally was like, okay, I need an assistant and hmm. a bookkeeper. I can't remember how many girls I interviewed, but I'll never forget I'll never forget the brilliant waif who got the job. <laughs> it was this lady, June Martino, who went on to like run all of uh you know, I think she was like CFO of McDonald's for oh, okay. like uh she was brilliant and like uh I don't know, she had kids her husband was lazy or something. I don't even remember. Mm. Um, whatever. At some point, you know, they he skips around a lot because, like, he hires people early on that become big in McDonald's later, but then yeah. he has a bunch of other failures. Um, he, like, invested in some, like, uh, kitchen table that had chairs that folded out of it that he called <laughs> the fold-a-nook. Uh-huh. Um, that like one of his salesmen that sold the multi mixers neighbor invented, mm-hmm. um, and so he like invested in it and tried to sell it. But it turns out the neighbor and the salesman were in cahoots to to, oh, like, to steal it him. back from him. Oh man! Yeah. Um, I learned I'd, unbeknownst to to June and me, the salesman who had put me onto the thing was conspiring with my secretary to pirate the fold and nook from me. I fired both of them on the spot. Good for him. I don't like people that um, take pride in firing people. I mean, in that case, if they were conspiring against him, good good for him not being wishy-washy. How much of that is like... <laughs> Just like run of the mill, um, narcissistic <laughs> paranoia. I was gonna say, probably both these people were like, "Wait, what? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You, you were stealing from me. You were pirating my plans." They're like, "I don't know what you're talking. Get out of here!" So after the full nook was mm-hmm. when he was like, eh, "Let me see what's going on with these McDonald's people, right?" Yeah. So this this is this chapter is a flashback i apologize if i didn't uh, uh you know explain you, you that you kind of Whatever. explain that yeah i don't know uh so he's like what the hell i'll go see for myself so i booked my 52 year old bones onto the red eye special and flew west to meet my future I'm gonna say I'm gonna start saying that I booked my bones on the flight. <laughs> I'd like to call hello Delta. I'd like to send my bones to Arizona, please. You're gonna wind up in the cargo hold that way. Tom, the food service business before McDonald's <laughs> was all about drive-ins, right? Yeah, you know, the car hops would come. Mm-hmm. Um, barbecue beef, pork, and chicken were on the the menu, mm-hmm. but there was like a lot of variety because they were all they were yeah. all competing with each other, so they're trying to outdo each other. Well, not McDonald's, no they, car hops. We explained this simple, streamlined menu. You're not trying to to wow people. You're trying to do something quick and good and reliably and consistent. Yeah. Um. And that's that's what that's what they learned, Tom. You know what? Uh, you know what Ray Kroc calls the McDonald boys? Heroic, courageous, 
because they had a they had a thriving drive-in and they were just like we can't fit any more you know we can't we're not doing the volume we need to do and more people want this yeah so they made it more efficient um whatever he liked the name that was a big part of the movie um okay he makes a deal with the mcdonald boys tom mm-hmm. what are you reading right now i'm not reading anything what are you looking at i can't read you already what said you earlier at? i'm looking at a message i got from who none of your beeswax is everything okay do we need to do we need to stop down for a moment no everything's fine then why aren't you paying if attention you won't, to me? If you won't make a big deal out of it. Here, I'm closing it out. What was it? It was a message from your wife, Tim. She's worried about you. What? How so? Your your uh, uh, obsession with McDonald's. <laughs> I'm reading a book that people voted on. Well, she doesn't know that, and I didn't tell her. He made an agreement with the McDonald brothers. <laughs> I that... told her I'm not recording with you right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Does your girlfriend listen to uh, any of our shows? Uh, occasionally, against my wishes. Yeah, uh, my wife has no interest. No interest whatsoever. So, like... As far as she knows, I am just coming into this room <laughs> once a week. Rambling just, to like, yourself. <laughs> rambling for two hours as we do these two episodes. Um, and I think she's fine with it because, like, it's her one break all week from me. Yeah. Yeah. That must be tough. He made a deal with the McDonald brothers that he could not deviate from their plans in any way unless the changes were spelled out in writing signed by both of the brothers okay. and sent to him by registered mail. That's apparently important. Um, they got 0.5% of all the profits from... Uh, 0.5%. And he got um, he got 1.9%, 5, 0.5%. Of which went to the McDonald's brothers. From his um, 1.9? Yeah. And that 0.5 they split? Between the them? brothers? Yeah. Yeah, but they were just running a restaurant. Like, yeah. they were just like, we were happy doing this. Hey, yeah, I guess he's we don't basically, think you're going to be able to pull this off. Whatever. He was basically just licensing their, their idea. Yeah. Um. And basically, he was like, a lot of people have asked me, why didn't I just steal their idea? And of course, he said, I guess the real answer is that I was so naive or so honest that it never occurred to me that I could take their idea and copy it and not pay them a red cent. Yeah, normally when you say, I was either so naive or too honest, now it's the first one. (laughs) Or or it's neither. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, when he went and told his friends, uh, you know, and business associates, guys like him don't have friends. They only have business associates that they like fraternize with. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the guys that, uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to get into the McDonald's business. And, uh, his one friend later said, I thought you'd gone soft in the head. Was this a symptom of the male menopause? (laughs) I asked myself, what is the president of Prince Castle sales doing running a 15 cent hamburger stand? Ma- the male menopause, Tom. Is that what they used to call uh, a midlife crisis? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, even then, he's too old to really be having a midlife crisis, especially back then when he was like already past the like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the no- normal age men in the fifties died. <laughs> um, guess who hated this whole setup, Tom? Ethel. Ethel is shrew of a wife. Jesus Christ, the, the old ball and chain. Yeah. Um, whatever. What are you so doing he, selling hamburgers? <laughs> he, he only mentions her to be like, it wouldn't be long till I got rid of her. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, then uh, there was the great French fry flop, Tom. He kept replicating exactly what the McDonald's brothers did. Uh-huh. With the French fries, but he couldn't get it right. They were still soggy, and he like called all these people. He called like uh, the 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 
potato people. Um, <laughs> Mr. Potato out, Head. Yeah, Mrs. Potato Head. Um, the Fry Guys. Potato Head Jr. When you think about it, the Fry Guys are, are like soggy fries, if anything. Yeah, and they're like different colors, like blue yeah. and red. I don't want French yeah. fries those colors. I want my ketchup to be different colors. Sure, Purple, of course. Green, red. Um, whatever. They, they they went through a whole thing. There were. They, I appreciate this book gets into a lot of detail about mm-hmm. like how the storage of the potatoes uh, was important, and they took them a while to figure it out. But explaining it to you and to an audience seems really boring and unnecessary <laughs> right now. Okay, I highlighted a lot of things in this book that, like, now I just feel like I don't I don't need to bore you with these details. When I was reading it, I was like, "Hmm, very interesting." So they were oh, storing wire. They were storing the potatoes wrong, and that was making for bad fries. Yeah, and then he figured it out. Hmm. I read a um, thing recently. I didn't know this that like. Uh, um, most apples, uh, like if you're eating an apple out of season, that apple's probably been frozen. Um, and what? like, yeah, and like locked in a oxygen proof, like a vacuum. It's basically like mm-hmm. apples only get harvested in the fall and they take those and then put them in an oxygen proof, not oxygen proof, a vacuum sealed freezer. And then, like, at some, if they're like, well, we need apples for, like, November, those they'll just freeze and then unfreeze. Uh, but uh, the other ones, they put them in a vacuum, and it apparently just, like, stops the apples. So sometimes you're eating, like, 10-month-old apples um, that they've just been able to very efficiently stop from uh, decaying or anything. Hmm. I mean that that's okay with me. They say that like if you buy frozen vegetables, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes better than buying French French vegetable <laughs> fresh vegetables because they've been um, frozen because, right away. Yeah, they've been frozen when they're at their perfect uh time. Yeah. So when you defrost them like they're they're not over the hill or too unripe. Right. Um look, he 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 starts fighting with the the mcdonald brothers early because like he wants to make changes to the way they do things oh because the the mcdonald's brothers are in uh california there's no basement there they leave all the potatoes outside mm. and then he goes back to chicago and he's like or illinois and uh he's like i had to build a basement to store this stuff because it gets too cold we can't just store the the potatoes outside yeah and they're like oh yeah go ahead uh build a basement and he's like I need both of you to sign off on that change and send it to me through certified letter uh-huh. as per our agreement. And they're like, nah, you can do it. Mm. And then his lawyer goes to their lawyer. It's like, look, he's put, he's being, he's putting himself at risk here. He's violating the agreement. Yeah, yeah. They need to give him. And the McDonald's brothers lawyers are just like, I don't know. That's his problem. Not ours. <laughs> Which Tom, I fucking hate lawyers so much. I yeah. do. You ever deal with lawyers? They're the worst people on earth. Yeah. I know it's a cliche, but they're bad. They're all bad people. Right. Um. Anyway, they made an ass of him in the biblical sense. He claims. <laughs> which I don't. I don't. I don't know what that means. They fucked him. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, his the first one that he franchised. Yeah. Right? He he had a lot going on it. He would drive. To, I would drive down to the location each morning and help get the place ready to open. And keep in mind, he doesn't work there, right? Like he's right. just like the janitor would arrive at the same time. <laughs> he's I just did. micromanaging it. <laughs> well, th- this is another thing. The janitor would arrive uh, would arrive at the same time I did, and if there was nothing else to be done, I'd help him. I'd never been too proud to grab a mop and clean up the restrooms, even if I happened to be wearing a good suit. Mm. How many times do you think this asshole actually <laughs> fucking picked up a mop and helped the janitor? One time? Two times? Well, he probably... And then wrote about it in his book. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a real fucking man of the people. Well, he probably did it to show the janitor that he was doing it wrong. 
Tom, when I worked for the parks department in high school over the summer, mm-hmm. there we had a boss, um, and he, he was a jerk, yeah. and he was probably our age now, Yeah, and I was 16, mm. and he would sit up in his office, and we would like do, you know, maintain, maintain the parks in the town, um, and he would every so often come down, and he was the most out of shape person ever. And he'd be like, mm-hmm. we were like digging holes at one point for something, I don't know, burying bodies or something. And he's like, oh, you guys are digging so slow. Here's how you dig. And like, he would do this a couple times over the summer. And he'd take, he'd be like, what are you going so slow for? And he'd take the shovel and he'd shovel like so fast for like <laughs> Ten eight seconds. seconds. Yeah. Turn all red, get sweaty, be so out of breath and be like, see, that's how it's done. And hand it right <laughs> back to us. It's like, you asshole like <laughs> we have to do this for eight hours today yeah. why are you running a marathon so slow you should run it like this and then just yeah. sprint 20 feet yeah and then he'd like hobble away and then like go back to his air-conditioned office for, <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the day until he like, clocked out take the next hour to catch his breath yeah um one guy begged to be hired by um by Ray Kroc, this guy, uh, Harry Sonneborn. Okay. Uh, the problem remained, though, as I explained to him once more that I could not afford to hire him. His answer is that he would go home. Is that he can't afford the... not to hire me. <laughs> he would go home and figure out the lowest possible salary he could take and still be able to support his family. Then he'd get back to me. This guy's a cuck. <laughs> Unless maybe he was smart and he was like, well, this is the lowest possible salary. It's $1 million a year. Yeah, no, it was like... uh, It was just like ridiculously low. Yeah, uh, and he... uh, He said he would devote every working minute to McDonald's, 24 hours a day. he saw a good thing. Yeah. And apparently he had a... uh, was originally from uh he, he brought he was brought up in New York City and he never mm-hmm. lost that New Yorker aloofness though and it made R- R- Ray Crack Ray bristle sometimes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um oh here's here's the change that he made to the franchise system, Tom. Okay. Uh R- Ray Crock believed that uh he had to help the individual operator succeed in every way he could. His success would ensure his, uh, his Ray Kroc's success. But I couldn't do that and at the same time treat him as a customer. So uh, he was not going to get involved in being a supplier for the operators. Oh, okay. So if a franchisee opened up, he, he wasn't going to make the franchisee buy the hamburger meat from him mm-hmm. and pay him for the profits. He's just like, here's the supplier, you figure it out and you do all that stuff. Okay. Another thing he did was that uh there would be no pay phones, no jukeboxes, no vending machines of any kind in McDonald's restaurants. Um all of those things create unproductive tra- unproductive traffic in a store and encourage loitering that can disrupt your customers. This would downgrade the family image that they wanted to create for McDonald's. Furthermore, mm-hmm. no joke, no. Uh, in some areas, the vending machines were controlled by the crime syndicate. And he <laughs> wanted no part of that. Wow, I mean that makes sense. Like, well, a. Yeah, well, I guess probably vending machines back then. He's probably talking about cigarette vending machines. Uh, I'm thinking of like, you know, like a soda machine and a chip machine. I'm like, like, well, you don't want that in your restaurant to begin with. (laughs) People are going to fill themselves up. Uh, But yeah, it was probably like cigarette machines because those used to be, I remember as like a little kid, those things were everywhere. Like every restaurant you went in had a cigarette vending machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were fun to pull the handles. Yeah, because they yeah they weren't like They'd snap uh, back in. Yeah, they weren't like any other type of vending machine. They had like these, they had like yeah very fun handles, but also as a cigarette vending machine. So like your parents would immediately be like, "Don't touch that!" <laughs> like we, God forbid, a pack of cigarettes come out and you start smoking them. Um, 
uh, at a time in my point, uh, at a point in my life when I smoked cigarettes, mm-hmm. it coincided when those machines were still in effect, right? Because yeah. I was young, and that was a while ago. It's been a long time since I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, I never bought a pack of cigarettes from one of those well, machines. What I was, was going to say, I think by the time we were of smoking age, they had like changed the law where it was like you had to show ID to somebody and then they had to like come. It like it defeated the purpose of a, a cigarette vending machine. Yeah. And also uh, like it was it was. It was fine when cigarette packs of cigarettes were a dollar twenty five, and you had to <laughs> yeah. put in five quarters. Right, but none of them had like you couldn't put in like none of them had the dollar bill acceptor things, right. and yeah. also like you're they not going to put in that like, world thirteen of those dollar <laughs> bills in there. Yeah, and then hope that it doesn't eat them all. Yeah, uh, I and mean it, the- it was a crazy loophole that there were machines. That, that, I mean, they have that, when I was in Japan, they had vending machines that sold beer, which I also was like, this is like a crazy loophole. Anybody could just come up here and buy, uh, buy a beer. And I guess that, that was the thinking with the cigarette machines. But, uh, but yeah, I, I forget what it was exactly, but it was something where it was like the machines had to be locked because obviously... If you were underage, that was an easy way to just buy cigarettes and not even have to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ray Kroc, uh, he was right. I mean, that sounds like, you know, to this day where they make their coffee way too hot so that you don't sit in the restaurant and drink it, uh, that they were all about uh, efficiency, all about... Keeping uh, things moving. No yeah, loitering. Yeah, get out of there. We'll, we'll let you sit and eat our food. And the second you're done, get the fuck out. A true uh, 52-year-old man being like, eh, get off my lawn, get out of here. Yeah. I mean, and in fairness, it's like you don't want to spend more time in a McDonald's than is absolutely necessary. But I guess that's Ray because Crump of the way it's designed. No, I, I am, uh, I mean, I guess McDonald's was an exception, but like there were times when we were teenagers where we would, Hang out, like we would eat our Wendy's and like take a while to eat our, our our value meals. Yeah, well, but imagine if they had a jukebox and cigarette vending machines. Yeah, uh, how and and pay phones to call people on how long we would dick around. Tom, at some point, this all turns into a real estate scheme, mm-hmm. um, and again, there's a lot of. Uh, Intricate There's detail. A lot of detail. Yeah. The, the the only practical way for McDonald's to grow uh, would be for them to develop the restaurants themselves. So they, uh, Harry came up with uh, the Franchise Realty Corporation. Tom, let me understand. Let me ask you if you understand this. Mm-hmm. We started the Franchise Realty Corporation with $1,000 paid in capital. And Harry parlayed that cash investment into something like $170 million worth of real estate. His idea, simply put, was that we would induce a property owner to lease us his land on a subordinated basis. That is, he would take back a second mortgage so that we could go in to a lending institution. In the early days, it was a bank and arrange a first mortgage on the building. The landlord would subordinate his land to the building. I must admit that I was a bit skeptical. Why would a landlord want to do that? But I'd let Harry Harry plunge ahead without interference. Do you yeah, understand it sounds like scheme? Harry just went in and confused people, and it yeah, worked. I'd, I'd have to learn how what subordinate means. Anyway, um, his uh, also June and Harry. Um, neglected it sounds like their family maybe it was just they let them take out a mortgage by letting the landowner take out a second mortgage yeah and they were paying the landowner on that mortgage and then the landowner was paying the bank something like that i don't know yeah who knows um who care who cares if we understand (laughs) we're not gonna do this and i'm sure it's something that could only be done in yeah i'm sure it's not possible anymore yeah um there's laws uh, against like uh, people doing things that made other people rich in the past. Yeah. Um, 
Or they just, yeah, so or they found more efficient ways to do that. <laughs> June and Harry um, neglected their family obligations, never made it to one of their kids' birthday parties or graduation ceremonies, and often worked on Christmas. Um, but they got stock in the end, so they were happy. And killed um, a bunch of people with heart disease and diabetes. Yeah. Um, they hired an operations guy named Fred Turner to make sure that everything ran smoothly at all the uh, things. You, you know, you know the story. This is this is a couple boring chapters. In yeah. His... Oh, he uh, he tells a story about one of his franchisees named Bob Frost um, had an employee that um, Ray Kroc didn't like. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ray was like, "You should fire that guy." And the guy was like, "Nah, give him a break. He's a kid. He'll get better." And uh, oh, was it Ronald later... McDonald? Nope. Later, uh, Ray Kroc said, "Listen, goddammit, I want you to fire that man." Um, and he didn't. And of course, five years later, the man was a problem and had to get fired. So <laughs> Ray Kroc was right, and he would have saved everybody a lot of trouble if that man had just listened to Ray Kroc and uh, ruined that, that sounds guy's like life he, five he years w- he worked for five years. He couldn't have been that bad. Tom, can I just... Uh, this will be the last passage I read, but... Okay. This is the poetry of Ray Kroc. Consider, if you will, the hamburger bun. It requires a certain kind of mind to see the beauty in a hamburger bun. Yet, is it any more unusual to find grace in the texture and softly curved sil- silhouette of a bun than to reflect lovingly on the hackles of a favorite fishing fly or the arrangement of textures and colors on a butterfly's wing? Not if you're a McDonald's man. Wow. That uh, choked me up a little bit. Yeah. He's 100% right. Basically, uh, this guy that they hired, Fred, was like real into like making sure everything was optimized. There was some like cool stuff where he's like, up. Oh, the buns that we buy, the hamburger buns that we buy, they're cut like not all the way through, so there's like a hinge on them. Uh-huh. And they're like it slows people down and you can't really you can't really grill the buns the way that you need right. to. So like they went to the manufacturer and were like you have to cut the buns all the way through and they were mm-hmm. like, "Well, you we can't afford to do that. Our machines aren't set up to do that." And they were like, well, what if we uh, create a new way for you to package them up that'll save you money, and then you can invest in this? And basically, they optimize all the things. It's kind of interesting, Tom. Yeah, but right. again, not here. It's if you're reading a book, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> um, one McDonald's franchisee came up to Ray Kroc um, with the idea that uh, you you produce a donut shaped a hamburger patty. Okay. Um, and then you put a bunch of condiments in the hole and cover it with a pickle so the customer doesn't notice that there's a hole in it. What? And what a to Ray dumb Crocs, idea. <laughs> to Ray Kroc's uh, credit, he said, we want to feed our customers, not fleece them. What? But How? he said uh, that would have been a pretty good Chicago fast one. <laughs> How would that have... What would that have accomplished? I don't understand. They would have had to use less beef because they'd cut out a hole in the middle and just fill it up with condiments. Yeah, but you don't want all your condiments in the middle of your burger instead of meat. You want it spread on the meat. Yeah, no, but the thing is, like, you you put condiments on, but you'd also put them in the hole, and, like, people oh, would and nobody would there was a hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what White Castle does. <laughs> yeah. You know, their well, their no, burgers actually, have five holes in them, and they're like, oh, because we steam them. He actually uh, said, I didn't understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. No, he, he talks about White Castle for a while. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing Ray Kroc says matters. I don't believe a goddamn word this guy says, except when he talks about, like, the shady stuff and doesn't acknowledge that <laughs> it's fucking shady. <laughs> but that's where you can learn from. That's where all the uh, the the useful life advice comes from. How to yeah. screw again, people over. Again, this is stuff that like you could get away with in the forties and fifties. Yeah, and you can't get away with anymore. Well, you gotta just take the lessons 
you learn from this book and apply them to Bitcoin or, or something. Yeah, he's the classic guy that is just like, yep, uh, I guess I just got lucky, but I didn't actually get lucky because I'm very smart. And also, I pulled the ladder up behind me so nobody can do the same thing I did. <laughs> yeah. And I, I pulled a fast one over just about everybody, but demanded complete and total loyalty. God, yeah. imagine having like a parent that missed all this shit and having to explain like, well, he he works for McDonald's, so. <laughs> the fucking hamburger restaurant? Yeah. Well, like he doesn't work at a McDonald's. He works for, and people would be like, oh, I don't, I thought he was like a, a brain surgeon or something. That's why he <laughs> couldn't make it to these things. I thought he was doing important things. Yeah. Well, it is important. He's killing a lot of people. Anyway, uh, the the uh, he's franchising like crazy, and uh, yeah, it's a but really he's the genius. Like the the franchisees don't really know what they're doing. I mean, I buy that. I've never yeah, met. I don't a, think you I've can never have it both met ways. a. I've never met a franchisee that I've been impressed with. I've never met a franchisee, Tom. If you had to open a franchise, I think we've uh, we've had this discussion. Mm-hmm. Would be your dream franchise to run dream or what do i think would be like the best financially potentially to run what would be the one that like if if somebody was like uh, assume that all the like all the franchise fees are the same Mm -hmm. someone tomorrow said like all right you i'm giving you enough money to pay the franchise fees open up a franchise which uh (sighs) which one would you go for I mean, I'd probably open up something that doesn't exist in New York that people would want, like you know, what? like an In-N-Out burger, something like that, where I could make a lot of money. In-N-Out is off the table because that's not, that's, uh, we, we know of the restrictions. Well, now, there. what about a Wawa? Could I open up a yeah, Wawa? Yeah, I think a Wawa, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'd open up like a Wawa. What that's about good. you? What would you open up? I think I gotta go Taco Bell just because like it's the only one that I'm passionate about, and I wanna I wanna make sure that I'm passionate, and I and I think that's where Wawa was driven from, where your Wawa. Well, I'm passionate. From. I think it's a great uh, idea, a great uh, place, but I also think that uh, New York and especially like our area, like there's nothing like that where it's like a gas station with decent food that you can order. Uh, that's also very inexpensive that you can customize, that you can order right. the way you want. Uh, nothing like that really exists uh, in New York. So I think it would I think it would do well. I feel like uh, I, I think you're right. I, I just think it's it's a lot to keep track of. Um, there's a lot of moving parts there. The gas station. I, well, part of I, it would, really... I was going to say I would actually prefer to open one that wasn't a gas station too. Just a standalone Wawa. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the one I went to in college wasn't a gas station. Okay, then, yeah. Because that that would turn me off to it. But then the whole convenience store aspect of it, too, is just like, I don't want it to buy, like, I don't know, like, Tylenol (laughs) (laughs) to stock. Yeah. No, I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of having having everything a person might need. I I feel like you... uh, I think you know what a good job for you would be. What's that? Moving to a very small town and opening like a general store. <laughs> yeah, I would love doing that. I yeah, know I, I feel like you you want to be in the mix, even though yeah, you hate I'd know, people. I know. I you know want who's... people to like rely on you. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, more condoms, eh? Well, let me just write that in my journal, and there'd be nothing they could do to stop me. I'm like, well, I'm just keeping track of inventory and who's buying it. Tampons, huh? I knew you'd be in today. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it'd show up in the gossip column the next week, and I'd, I'd plead ignorance. Guess who had a period last week? <laughs> well, not necessarily a period. They just were out of tampons. People weren't just <laughs> Why buying would they buy- Well, they're not just buying them for emergencies in my general store. Maybe. They're- they well look uh, the the gossip column would say guess who may or may not have had a period last week 
Just like that's if good so- information for everybody. That's that's hot gossip. <laughs> Just like if somebody's buying condoms, I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, guess who had sex last night." But if they came into my general store huffing and wheezing at you know eleven o'clock at night with a with a full on boner. Saying, oh, I need a condom. No, just one's fine. That's enough. Then I'd be like, well, guess who had sex last night? One time, I went to a deli mm-hmm. near our old apartment, Tom. Mm-hmm. Huffing and wheezing <laughs> and bought a, a pack of condoms. <laughs> the next day, I went in that, that, that deli with yeah. like a group of people. And the guy was like, ah, you were in here at like one in the morning buying condoms last night. I remember you. It was like right around the corner from our apartment. It was yeah. like, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't like, say that, things that like that. That guy's not like your lawyer, your doctor. He's not under any kind of... Uh... I was like, what are you... You were here at what a, 1 a.m. last night? You're here again at 3 p.m. today? What's going on here? What kind of shifts are you guys working? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, well, places like that, you know, like local delis, yeah, people work, you know, especially if like that guy was the owner or like a, a family member of the owner or something, like they work crazy shifts. They work shifts like doc, like doctors yeah. and nurses. Well, uh, I was pretty sore about that. I was, because uh, <laughs> I like, could tell, I could tell you I still feel like are. Everybody I was with, you know, could like trace back to like well where was what was who was Tim with last night and, yeah you know well, you should have said thing. look like, sometimes people buy condoms just to have them just in case and sometimes <laughs> in the, one in the morning sometimes in the middle of the night they wake up you know worried well what if what if I need these in a panic in December wearing shorts and <laughs> flip flops wow. That's anyway. a disgust, disgusting story, Tim. Hey, uh, sound off in the comments. Uh, what franchise would you open? What's your dream? And you're in charge. You yeah. get to do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, especially, uh, you know, uh, if you've got some franchises uh, we're not real familiar with here in uh, the Northeast United States, uh, I'd love to hear about them. Always interested um, to hear the- about new franchise opportunities. Speaking of fast food franchises, mm-hmm. um, I watched a movie that I'm not sure if I can, if I if I recommend it, but I think I liked it. Um, it's a movie that you can get on demand because it's in theaters now. The Last Shift, starring oh, I've, Richard I've, Jenkins. Yeah. Uh huh. I haven't seen Pretty that good. yet, but I've seen it. Oh, all right, maybe I'll check that out then. I think uh, I originally gave it. I think maybe a. B minus in my movie book. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to upgrade it to a B or a B plus. The more wow. that I think about it, and mm. that's about like an older man's last last shift at a uh, fast food chain he's worked at like his whole life, right? Thirty eight years he worked there. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, it's good. It's not it's not an uplifting movie. Oh, all right. Well, I only watch uplifting movies. I know. All right. Uh, well, thanks a lot for listening. We love you very much. You're welcome. Oh. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for being a patron. See you next week.